It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 363 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called Pay to Win. It is June 10, 2022, and this is Jen, and I've got a lot of stuff to talk about, mostly about Diablo Immortal, but there's some other things too, and I'll just get started right now. There have been a few other companies that have uh, made it clear that they are supporting LGBTQ rights, specifically trans rights and women's rights and all this other stuff because, well, it's Pride Month for one thing and a lot of companies do that just because they can. Um, Some companies, I think, do it ethically because they typically stand up for that group of people, LGBTQ. um, And some, I think, are doing it hoping that it will influence people who are LGBTQ to buy their stuff um, and then, you know, don't really support the rest of the year. (laughs) But we've got a few here. There's one from Electronic Arts that was posted on June 3rd. And they have uh, have a link to something and a little picture with words on it in their tweet that says, as a company, we are united that trans rights are human rights. Women's rights are human rights. Our support is unwavering for our people, our players, and our LGBTQ plus community. So that's what Electronic Arts has to say about that. Raven Software, which recently had, you know, got a union, um, they tweeted something and they wrote this, Lions Pride and Gamer Emblems, G-A-Y-M-E-R Emblems, just dropped for free for all Warzone players. Happy Pride, check them out and drop in and celebrate. And there's also a Lions Pride Emblem available in Warzone. I don't know what Warzone is, but if, you know, if that's your game, go get your goodies so here's sony on june 1st and they have a tweet that says this building and advancing an equitable society for all happens year-round across the sony family we're proud to commit our resources to the lgbtq plus community today we highlight our partner with at i equality and that is immigration equality that's the name of the the twitter account is at i equality but the this little picture here has a picture of the immigration equality logo and the sony logo which has uh various colors in it that um the first one looks like the pride flag the second one has different colors in it uh then there's one that's definitely the trans flag i'm not sure what the last one is so there's a little blurb here of course for over 25 years immigration equality has been working to secure safe haven freedom and equality for the lgbtq plus and hiv positive communities sony has formed a dynamic partnership with immigration equality to support improve and sustain direct legal services, administrative advocacy, and impact litigation for LGBTQ plus immigrants. So that's part of what Sony had to say. And then they said this, uh, they wrote this, the global pride theme this year at Sony and at Sony Music is transcend. With many dividing factors present in today's world, we are transcending our individual differences to unite and show our pride. And they have the rainbow flag and little arches above Part of the wording in the picture they added and then they have the trans part of the there's a, if you've seen like just the rainbow flag you kind of know what that is there's also a flag that has the trans colors the trans flag colors and then black and brown to be more inclusive they have that in there and um there's a lot of people uh responding to that one not being you know very polite or 
you know, all of that kind of thing uh, in response to Sony, which is probably, you know, that's a risk you take if you're going to be a big company that doesn't normally seem very supportive, then all of a sudden goes, oh, we've been supported the whole time, you know, that kind of thing. But it's also people that are just awful and uh, want to be mean. So I recommend skipping the comments on that one under those tweets. We also have Wowhead has a 2022 Pride fundraiser. It's for the Trevor Project. So Wowhead is trying to raise money for this fundraiser. They currently have $8,566.26, and they're aiming for $25,000 as a goal. In addition, we have an article from Kotaku that has nothing to do with anything I previously said. It's titled, Dragon Age QA Workers Vote Unanimously to Form a Labor Union. And they work uh, at BioWare Games. They are now the first unionized developers in Canada, which is interesting. And I'll read you a little bit of that. Uh, This morning quality, this morning would be um, Monday. Uh, This morning, quality assurance testers on Dragon Age Dreadwolf unanimously voted to form Canada's first video game labor union. They filed the motion on April 20, and the election concluded 16 to 0 in favor of unionizing. This came after the devs mounted an organized campaign focused on bad pay and a troubling return to office mandate. The testers are employed through the contracting company Keywords Studios, which has over 40 offices all over the world. These employees work at the Edmonton office, where they're provided support for BioWare, they've provided support for BioWare games such as Mass Effect Legendary Edition and the Star Wars The Old Republic expansion Legacy of the Sith. They're currently providing quality assurance testing for recently revealed the recently revealed Dragon Age Dreadwolf. And uh, there's a tweet embedded in this article saying that they won, they're forming a union. Uh, The union campaign started after Keyword Studio announced that the testers would be required to return to BioWare's office starting on May 9. Testers do not receive paid sick time despite Alberta's 14-day quarantine requirement. Testers also wanted to raise the pay from the base of roughly $13 USD per hour. Keyword Studios eventually rescinded on the back-to-office mandate, but the workers told Kotaku, where I'm reading this from, today, that's Monday, that increasing pay and preventing mandatory return to office are still some of the main concerns they will be bargaining over. According to an email that the QA testers sent out at noon, the union will begin bargaining with Keyword Studios bosses this week. So there's more. It talks a little bit about Raven Software, which I've already talked about in the previous couple of shows, I think. And then we have this thing here, okay? Um, this is a press release, and it is on the Activision Blizzard website under the investors thing. I'm going to read part of it to you, and then I'll share my opinion okay so this is titled activision blizzard to recognize and begin negotiations with cwa this is written by bobby kotick it's his name's there and everything okay so uh he wrote to this team i wanted to share the news that we will begin negotiations with the communication workers of america related to the 27 quality assurance employees at raven software the majority of whom have chosen to be represented by this union with the election having concluded we will engage in good faith negotiations to enter into a collective bargaining agreement while the first labor contracts can take some time to complete we will meet cwa leaders at the bargaining table and work toward an agreement that supports the success of all our employees that further strengthens our commitment to create the industry's best, most welcoming and inclusive workplace and enhances our ability to deliver world-class games for our players. Now, there's more, but I'm going to stop here for a second. Um, 
Yeah, uh, I don't believe that Activision Blizzard is going to engage in good faith negotiations. I think they're going to be there to gum up the works as much as possible based on previous behaviors from the high ups there. The phrase in there, they want to work toward an agreement that supports the success of all their employees. Um, that's another way, I think, of kind of sneakily saying, we're going to drag our feet on this because they def- they never wanted Raven to have a union. They pushed back on that so hard. They split up the people that were Raven QA and put them in different parts of the company to make it harder for them to talk about unionizing and stuff like that. I think this is all a bunch of like happy-sounding words that are probably very facetious and that are not going to be enacted on in the way that they hope you think it will. I think that's what this is. We've got a little bit more here. We begin this process after major investments in our QA team members over the past couple of years, including significantly increasing the starting pay for QA specialists and converting over 1,100 U.S.-based temporary and contingent QA workers to full-time positions. Yeah, they did that to break it up. They did it to break it up, and they did it to... uh, Maybe with the thought in mind that if they paid them more, that they could persuade them to say, oh, I don't need a union. Um, And they intentionally left out all of the QA workers that were from Raven uh, that were continuing to push for a union. So this makes it, they're trying to make themselves sound good when actually they were doing something terrible. That's what this part is. To continue, this conversion is providing access to comprehensive company benefits for QA employees and their eligible dependents, meaning, well, Raven, you don't get that either. That's what they're doing. In addition, we have expanded access to performance bonuses for QA employees and learning and learning and development opportunities. We've also integrated QA more seamlessly into the game development process. That's what they're calling splitting up all the people from Raven. That's great, you know. No, it's not. Um, Increasing collaboration that results in better products for our players and more opportunities for our teams. This is a time of great opportunity for our company. I want to thank you for the passion, skill, and commitment you bring each day to create great games, to embrace opportunities, and to make this the industry's very best place to work and to connect and engage our players around the world with appreciation, Bobby. All of this is a lie, in my opinion. I mean, some of these things they did, in fact, do. They did split up the Raven workers when they were, before they got their union. They excluded Raven union, people pro-union want, wanting the union and actively working on that from getting the pay and, you know, the pay raise and all this other stuff. Um, and this stuff about all this other stuff is kind of like, I don't think they're going to go into this honestly. I really don't. I think they're going to go in and specifically try to muck things up and drag their feet and make it a lot harder to get this union going. And I think the clue was when they said that, you know, this takes a long time to do. So (laughs) it's, if you didn't know much about Activision Blizzard, if you weren't someone who plays their games or had kids that play their games or spouses that play their games or friends that play their games or whatever, you might think this was genuine and I don't think it is at all. And I'm not the only person that thinks so. We have um, a better ABK on Twitter talking about this and they wrote this. A reminder that all the, quote, major investments, end quote, that were made were done as concessions from mounting employee pressure to try to stop unionization from occurring. Quality of life for employees improves through collective action, and they're absolutely right about that. And we have, they have, quote, tweeted an account called Charlie Intel that is basically the same thing I just read you in case people didn't want to go to the website. And then there's a thread here from a better ABK, and it also has the same thing I just read you. So they're making it very clear that this is what was written. 
and people can have their own opinions about that. But there is an opinion in here from Jessica Gonzalez, uh, that's at underscore tech Jess, who's been very vocal about unionization. Just to summarize, if you've been listening to the show, you've heard me mention, uh, mention her many times. She's also been quoted in news sites about this stuff. Uh, so Jessica wrote, also, Bobby has no choice to negotiate. Legally, he's only saying this because his hands are tied. He fought every step of the way, and I don't think he will stop fighting it. So that's where we're at. I hope things work out well. I think it's going to be difficult. I think he's going to have, he and whoever else is behind that is going to have a real hard time trying to uh, actively prevent this from happening, even though they've already got the union. It's just sketchy. And so there you go. That's what Activision Blizzard is thinking about this whole thing. Okay, so from here, I'm going to go into the Diablo Immortal stuff that I brought in. I think almost everything else relates to Diablo Immortal. There was a post on June 3rd on the Blizzard official account that says, snatch up Diablo Immortal goodies for your favorite games. Now, there is one I think I may have mentioned before that if you are playing Diablo Immortal and you are also still playing Diablo 3, I'm currently doing both of these. I'm very limited. As many of you know, I have a lot of allergies and other health issues that slow me down and I work from home and I have all this stuff. So I'm going to be a lot slower than most people in all of these games. And for me, that's fine. For other people, they don't want to do that whatever, right? But if you are playing Diablo Immortal and Diablo 3, you can log into Diablo 3. And I don't know how long this lasts exactly, but you get this like bright red blood covered looking uh, wings for your character and in Diablo uh, 3. And it's either the Countess or it's Lilith. I think Lilith's probably too early for what they're doing right now. And then there, you get a pet and it's one of those um, uh, creepy looking, amazing amazing little well it's actually quite a big large pet of like a plant that um starts draining the people in blood marsh i hope that's not too big of a spoiler it's a pretty early part of the game so you can go get that there's a crossover with hearthstone so if you play hearthstone and you do the hearthstone battlegrounds you can get or you could get the chance of getting diablo the world of terror from whenever this from june 3rd to june 8th so if you didn't do it already you've already missed it but they were going to give you a diablo card to play against in battlegrounds um and if you're doing mercenaries you can get until july 14 you can get archangel tyriel so um as a card to to play is my understanding i've been trying to do this a little bit i don't fully understand it but there's stuff there for diablo basically if you're playing call of duty mobile and diablo immortal uh, mobile i guess um i don't know if it's including the pc you can get a lord of terror weapon charm a great one sticker and a prime evil showdown calling card by fighting off hell's minions in the ready for hell event so those are things you can get. Um, and, you know, this was June 3rd, and I think people were a bit more optimistic about the game at that point. Uh, yeah. On June 1st, maybe I should have read this one first, but it's it doesn't really overlap too badly. Uh, the Blizzard account posted a thing called Diablo Immortal Known Issues, Hot Fixes, and Patch Notes for PC Open Beta. Because you got to keep in mind, the PC one, everybody was excited. Everybody was excited when that launch uh, video went through with Wyatt Chang and Pez Radar uh, talking about the game. And when 
it was revealed that it was going to be on PC. There were a lot of people who were super excited about that because this is what people had wanted since 2018 when Diablo Immortal was first released in a very small version at BlizzCon that year. And when at the time it was, oh no, we're never going to put it on PC. So here it is on PC and it's a beta. So it's not, I mean, betas aren't complete. Um, so I don't know exactly how long it's going to be in beta or what they're doing, but what they're saying in this uh, thing is that they are aware of some some known beta issues and that they're working on trying to fix those things, apparently. And then we go into some other issues with the game. So Engadget wrote an article called Diablo Mortal is unplayable on some Samsung phones with... In- How do you say this? Ex- Exynos chipsets? I'm just going to assume that's the right way to say it because I've never heard this word pronounced so you get the idea i'll read a little bit of this it's it's actually very short um i can read you the whole couple of paragraphs here nearly four years after it announced the game blizzard released diablo immortal on android ios and pc earlier this week and shortly after the game made its way to mobile one day early that's true that did happen uh players with samsung phones took to reddit and other community forums to complain about technical issues on some devices with the company's own and in-house Exynos chipset, Diablo Immortal is unplayable, with one of the most prominent issues being textures not loading properly. Quote, We are exploring the issues people are experiencing with some Samsung Galaxy-specific devices that use the, I'm going to say, Exynos chipsets, a Blizzard spokesperson said in a Reddit comment spotted by Sam Mobile. There's a link to Sam Mobile. I have no idea who that is. Quote, For now, we may disable downloads for this set of devices while we work to address this. Apologies on this, and we will be working to on getting a fix-up and ready as soon as possible. Among the lists of affected handsets include older devices like Galaxy S10, Note 10, and A51F 5G, but people with models as recent as the Galaxy S22 have also complained of texture issues, um, and it goes on from there, so that didn't work out very well. On June 9th, some of this is going to be out of order chronologically, but it's all within the last like week or so, I guess. Um, and... Uh, Rod Ferguson, who is the SVP and GM of the Diablo franchise at Blizzard, posted, uh, retweeted a tweet from the Diablo Immortal account, and that account said, over 10 million installs, thank you to all our fans, and has like the big Diablo-looking face you know, under it. Um, and Rod Ferguson wrote, thank you to all of our players, and congrats to the Diablo Immortal team with over 10 million installs in one week. And if you, uh, if you read the comments... Um, Some of them just popped up today, some of these comments. And this was from the 9th, so I guess it would be an ongoing set of comments. And they're mostly negative. I mean, the first comment I see... I mean, you're not going to see everything I see on Twitter, and I'm not going to see everything you see on Twitter, because algorithms and whatever, but... um, a person's asking, is this ever coming to Samsung some Equinox devices? Oh, is that how you say it? Um, maybe it's spelled wrong one way or another. Uh, some people are mentioning that the, <laughs> that the installs are from gambling addicts or implying that it will make people gambling addicts. Uh, people are upset about the microtransactions, um, you know, and it just goes on and on. And people had already, like, a lot of people felt very burned, apparently, by this combination of things. There's a website called Game Rant that wrote, It costs $110,000 to fully gear up in Diablo Immortal. A YouTuber calculates how much it costs to max out 
characters legendary gems in Diablo Immortal and the final number goes beyond six figures and let's see who they were talking about um, let's see all right I'll just read you a little bit of this having launched ahead of schedule a few days back Activision Blizzard's Diablo Immortal has been making headlines for a wide variety of reasons not least of which is a microtransaction model namely Diablo Immortal is a free-to-play game and as such features a number of ways that players can support its continued development while this approach to sustainability is rather commonplace nowadays uh, with mobile I think is what they're saying Diablo Immortal may have taken things a step further than most players have expected according to YouTube channel Bellular News calculations the game's unique monetization system is set up in a way that makes character min-maxing an exceedingly expensive endeavor the crux of the issue as per Bellular News recent video is that Diablo Immortal allows players to buy the so-called legendary gems there are these are one of the character's three progression pillars alongside regular gear and XP level, and they dictate one's endgame tier progression beyond what is possible simply by reaching Diablo Immortal's level cap. As of right now, free-to-play players cannot earn top-rated legendary... Uh, cannot earn top-rated legendary games, it says games, I wonder if they meant gems, which are only available via some of the game's monetization options. And fully maxing out a character effectively costs $110,000 in this game's, in the game's current economy. There is an embed of Bellular Games video in there if you just want to watch that. Matt and Michael of Bellular News also make an argument that Diablo Immortal's legendary gems are a deliberately convoluted system, explaining it would take roughly 10 years of playtime for a free-to-play player to fully kit out a character in the game's current iteration. Specifically, legendary gems aren't even a guaranteed drop for paying players, as they are only randomly awarded upon purchasing legendary crests, parentheses, i.e. loot boxes, end of parentheses, which may be the reason why Diablo Immortal didn't launch worldwide. And we talked about it being not allowed in the Netherlands and maybe Sweden, um, you know, previously. So this is kind of what the news cycle is picking up. Uh, VGC uh, has an article that basically is kind of the same sort of thing. Uh, maxing out a Diablo Immortal, Immortal character could reportedly cost up to $110,000. It's mentioning um, Bellular News. So we've kind of got that. You can pick and choose which one you want to read. And there's a thread here from Nineball. You may you may know Nineball. You may have heard of him. He does West March Workshop podcast, among other things. And so he has a thread here, and I'm hoping he won't mind that I read it, because I think it's an actually good thread. He wrote this. Does Diablo Immortal have some monetization issues at the high end? Yes, five asterisk gems are still a sore point. Does Diablo Immortal have all the issues that are filling up social media? No, people are just taking low-hanging fruit and yet to yet again hate on a Diablo game. There are definitely some issues wor worth discussing, like the, quote, worthy, end quote, bundle, and how much power you can front load, but eventually that power will be overtaken by gear upgrades and you can only acquire through leveling and playing. When some of the top Reddit threads are basically, this game has a si single bundle for a dollar, it's terrible, you know they're just there for hate clicks and riding the bandwagon, completely missing the real issues and ruining any meaningful discussion. You do not need to pay to play and can completely ignore every piece of monetization in the game. You can't pay your way past level walls or buy dungeon runs or purchase end game gear you can experience everything the game has to offer for free the issue i had in beta was that monetization let you start the end game race closer to the goal 
quick boosts to combat rating, faster gem acquisitions, Haradrim boosts, but the blasters caught up pretty quick. Now there are bundles that let, and there's two dollar signs, start you even further ahead, like really ahead. Will the blasters catch up? Of course, but they will also be, te- will they also be tempted to buy into those bundles? Yeah, that's where it gets ugly to me. I still remain hopeful for the future of Immortal, though. I think that's a good thread because it kind of takes into account different views, stuff like that. I do think there is a point that um, some of the gaming sites I'm reading to you may have been jumping on this for clicks. Um, you know, you don't know for sure. Like some of them are gaming sites or have are a, like a subsection of a site that doesn't always write about video games, but it's writing about this one that are probably looking for clicks. But some of this is valid that, yeah, you could uh, you could potentially spend a ton of money in this game if you were so inclined. There's a Game Rant one, which, you know, just the name makes me think, oh boy, no, I think I've read from them before. But yeah, um, this one published four days ago. Streamer spends nearly $4,000 on Diablo Immortal and doesn't get any five-star legendary gems. So here's a little bit from that article. A New Zealand Twitch streamer, Quinn69, has been highlighting the frustrations of many Diablo Immortal players regarding its aggressive microtransactions model. After spending several thousand dollars on Diablo Immortal shop, the streamer has yet to receive one of the coveted five-star legendary quality gems. In a way, this has shown that, quote, pay to win, end quote, isn't always the case, as this streamer burns away an alarming amount of cash without success. Uh, and then there's a description about Diablo Immortal, uh, talking about as a mobile game with a free-to-play cash shop model, which also features PvP, many gamers were skeptical due to the potential for wealthier players' ability to simply pay to win. Many mobile games feature aggressive microtransaction systems, with fre- which frequently pester the player to make purchases or spend money to continue enjoying the game, something Blizzard promised to avoid. While all of the game's content is accessible for free, the reality for many players is that a long grind lies ahead for anyone not willing to shell out money to make progress. This has been made most apparent with the efforts of Quinn69, a Twitch streamer that has been spending large sums of money on Diablo Immortal, stating, quote, I'm not a whale. I'm a scientist. The world needs to know about this system, end quote. His investment into the game is not so much about his personal drive for building a powerful character, but rather to shed light on the glaring problems behind Diablo Immortal's cash shop and progression system. After spending the equivalent of $4,000 USD, Quinn69 has effectively acquired the total earnings of over a full year of free-to-play progress. This has made many free-to-play players feel hopeless about the road ahead, while simultaneously discouraging would-be cash shop investors due to the poor odds of success. There's more, but that's kind of the key idea with that one. And then we have the videos coming. Echo Hack posted a video on June 6 titled, I'm Depressed About Diablo Immortal's Hidden Caps. And this is talking about not necessarily all the pop-ups and requests for microtransactions to occur within the game kind of thing. But it's also, if you hit, there's a level cap kind of thing he's talking about. And from what I understand, I did watch this one in its entirety and it's, it's rather short. If you are above your server's level cap, you tend to not get much more EXP for what you're doing, no matter what it was. And that's one of the key things I remember from it. I mean, again, watch it. But my impression of this one is that if you are like a high level player that can just zoom through this, whether or not you're buying things with real world money um, and you're, you want to play more, it's not good for the game to say, well, you're over the level cap so you can play, but you're really not going to get anything out of it in terms of EXP or whatever else. That's kind of icky, you know? And then later, June 8th, 
Uh, Big Daddy Den, uh, also Anthony Evans. He has a YouTube uh, site you've probably seen before. And he did one called Unbiased Review Diablo Immortal. And I watched a good chunk of this before I started this episode. And he had some really good points that you could, in fact not buy any of the microtransaction stuff and you could continue playing the game but you're going to be very far behind players that decided to dump a bunch of money into it and in some cases you're going to have to work a little harder to get things that they can just purchase or they choose to just purchase or they have the money to just purchase and um and he showed like there's two tracks for like the i'm going to say game pass kind of thing and one is for anyone who just plays the game gets those that type of loot at certain intervals and the one that you pay for is right under it and it, it gets a lot more of the important stuff like the crests that are hard to get to get into the rifts so watch that video if you want to hear his full opinion and then so on june 10th which is today the day i'm recording this show big daddy done tweeted the following i'm done Diablo Immortal is a fun game, but progress behind a paywall has killed it for me personally. Until they reevaluate the free-to-play system and make it more fair for all players, I will not be streaming slash YouTubing Diablo Immortal. Damn shame, because the actual game is actually pretty fun. So that's what he wrote. And then we've got uh, Asmongold, and he did a little... It's like a clip. It's like a 46-second-long clip where he puts three crests into an Elder Rift, and you can see at the end of it, he gets like all of these legendary items just pop it up and drop it on the ground. It had to be at least six or seven from first glance at this and from memory. And so he, he did that, and then he did one, he did a Rift without any crests, and he didn't get any legendary items, and there wasn't a chest there either. The first one had a chest for him full of, you know, all of those things. So that's showing that perhaps if you want to progress faster and get more loot and all of that stuff, it kind of Im could imply to people watching this uh, thing that he made, the little clip, that you have, to play, you have to pay to win kind of thing. Or, you know, there's other comments out there about it, but that's pretty obvious. And then it got picked up by Metro. So this is the title, Twitch streamer proves that Diablo Immortal is pay to win after banning critics over his big spending. Um... <laughs> That's an interesting title right there. And there's a picture of, of Asmongold, and next to the picture is, it looks like, I'm, I think this might be, I don't know if it's the wizard character or not with like the transmog. I'm, I don't have in my head all of the transmogs that you got for pre-ordering it, basically. And the wizard, you know, has their hand out. They generally have like, you know, an orb or something in it. And someone has put a very cartoon bag of money right there, which is comical and sad at the same time. I'll read you a little bit of this. Diablo Immortal is Blizzard's first real mobile title after Hearthstone took about a year or so to get into iOS and Android. Co-developed with mobile game powerhouse NetEase, the game has already had the wizards from Blizzard's vast community tallying up the totals. To get a fully kitted out character with all of the best loot the game can muster, the free-to-play Diablo Immortal will crater your bank account by around $110,000 or £87,555.95. Asmongold, a Twitch streamer known for his World of Warcraft streams, set out to prove how bad it could get on, uh, live on the platform, spending £20 to modify a particular dungeon. He then played it again without the money being spent with unsurprising results. And then it continues from there. During his stream, Asmongold used the 20 
pound modifier to boost rare loot, which saw the game's various enemies spewing out legendaries and powerful rare weapons for him to equip. This compares to playing the game without the modifier when Diablo Immortal didn't even give Asmon Gold a single worthwhile, worthwhile rare item. So that's the two rifts that I mentioned. The streamer has been caught up in his own controversy as well. Uh, he has been spending ludicrous amounts of money on the game in an effort to draw a crowd. As Asmongold has even had even has a little dollar count in the corner of his streams while playing to show you how much he spent. I did see that, and uh, his fan Reddit forum has been calling him out over the practice. While Asmongold was caught deleting threads in his other Twitch channel, and even saw his own moderators taking a stand against it when they could. Um, I don't know if any of that's true or not. I haven't looked into it, uh, but you can check, track that down if you want to. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. So there's that. Um, another part at the end of this says that this is similar to the gambling streams, I guess. And I'm not really sure how that relates exactly, but there's that. And then there's Carbot Animations. Now, usually, and actually every time I've mentioned Carbot Animations on this show, it's because they did another really interesting, fun, ridiculous video with their really simplified animation that I love so much because it's so simple and you, can, you know exactly what the characters are where what game they're in and all of that they did a video called diablo immoral it's not very long it's only about a minute and it has a good chunk of it where there's like this phone with an evil grin and it is like beating up the characters as all of their gold comes flying out of their body and laying on the ground and so that's that's kind of their opinion it's it's amusing and it's also disturbing and you know this kind of thing and then we have this kotaku article which oh boy here we go okay so this one is called diablo immortal is far too good to be free and it is a sit down where the author of this or the writer of this zach uh, zuizen sat down to chat about blizzard's latest arpg after playing it for the past week so they played it for a week this was published on oh, a couple days ago so I'll read you a little bit of this. Last week, Blizzard launched Diablo Immortal, the next entry in its long-running loot-driven action RPG franchise. However, unlike previous games, this one is free-to-play and was built from the ground up to be a mobile game first. That is true. It was built from the ground up to be a mobile game first. Uh, while it did also come out on PC last week, the reality is this is a very different kind of Diablo. Between being a phone title, having F2P, free-to-play style in-app purchases and being part of a popular legacy franchise it's created a large debate about the game and its true cost kotaku staff writer zach zuisen and editor john walker have both been playing so they got together to chat about the game how much they're enjoying it and why it might not be the evil money-sucking monster some have claimed at the very least it's a perfect way to kill some time while watching old episodes of the simpsons because i know some of you play video games and watch tv at the same time and you know that's amazing. I don't think I would have the focus for that, but some people do. So there we are. And then it's just like a conversation between these two guys. And it's very, I read through a lot of it when I, you know, thought about putting this into the show and it's very pro Diablo immortal. Um, it's, they don't seem to mention a lot about, well, there's a lot of, you know, in-game purchases you could do and they keep reminding you to do. Uh, they didn't mention that. They didn't mention about... There's, here, I'll just read you this one part. One of the guys says, 
I've been told by folks online that Diablo Immortal is actually bad and evil and that it will steal your bank account or something. And then the other guy says, have you at any point felt like you needed to pay for anything? And the first guy says, no. It's very, um, like, okay, this could truly be their experience with the game. Uh, one of the guys said that he never paid for a battle pass, um, all this stuff. And it's like, there's no real critique in here. This is the only one I've seen that was this like hyped on it and not really concerned about whatever. Um, it just felt a little odd to me. And then that particular article was uh, quote tweeted or posted again by Wyatt Chang at Candlesan. And he wrote, yes, we have PC improvements coming down the line and linked to that. And it was kind of like, this feels weird. This feels really, really weird. Going back to the loot boxes thing, the European Consumer Organization uh, has a little thing. It was actually from the end of May of 2022. Loot boxes, how the gaming industry manipulates and exploits consumers. And there's a little bit in here. We know what loot boxes are. If you're listening to the show, you know what a loot box is. Very, very likely. Okay, so the BEUC, which somehow comes out to European Consumer Organization, uh, says manipula manipulative design, aggressive marketing, and misleading probabilities are just some of the problematic practices consumers face with, quote, loot boxes, a regular in-game purchase. These practices are highlighted in a new report from BEUC's member, the Norwegian Consumer Council, NCC, called Insert Coin, How Gaming Industry Exploits Consumers Using Loot Boxes, published today. 20 European consumer organizations from 18 countries, all members of BEUC, jointly call for more protection of European consumers and further regulation on loot boxes, asking their governments and consumer protection authorities to take action before i go any further calling it insert coin is like this is a throwback to when the only way you could or the way most people played video games was to go into an arcade with their quarters so that, so that they could put you know a quarter in or two quarters in if they were doing two player or something to play the game and it costs like maybe 50 cents way back in the day when that might have seemed like a lot at the time if i remember correctly like when I was in high school, I think if you wanted like a can of soda from a vending machine in your school, it was like 50 cents, you know, <laughs> and then it went up seven to 75 and I was like, oh no, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we know what loot boxes are, so I'll skip that part. Uh, there's a section in here called What's the Issue? Loot boxes have been the source of several controversies already. NCC demonstrates in its report numerous problematic practices related to loot boxes, including exploiting cognitive biases and vulnerabilities of consumers through deceptive design and marketing using layers of virtual currencies to mask slash distort real-world monetary costs, targeting loot boxes and manipulative practices toward minors. Now, that's a thing. A lot of places absolutely do not want minors, people under uh, 18 in some places, um, that you know, they don't want them to be targeted by this. Like, if, you're, if your kid is playing Diablo Immortal um, and is, you know, 10 or something, they might not understand why you shouldn't you know buy every real world money kind of thing you know this happens if people share a game with their kids like some families are playing games on their phone that they share with their kid and it's not a, it's not a diablo game but you know it might have microtransactions in it or something like that and if you don't pay attention and your card's connected in there somehow your kid could run up a huge debt this kind of thing so i think that's why it's talking about towards minors now officially you have to be at least 13 i think 
to play the Diablo games. Um, I might be wrong about that, but 13 is a little, hopefully a little wiser than, you know, like a 10-year-old. But anyway, and they're asking for more regulation in the industry and consumer protection about this kind of stuff, which could potentially make it so that people in additional countries won't be able to play Diablo Immortal because of the whole loot box thing. It's, it's possible. There's also some other stuff here from uh, various content creators in the Diablo community. So Maxrell has a guide here for the Whirlwind Barbarian Solo Guide and uh, written by Rob. And it is for um, solo bounties, elder rifts, lairs, and side quests. And there's a whole thing in here. The build guide assumes you have a character at level 60. There's also a barbarian 1 to 60 leveling guide and complete leveling guide if you're not there yet. So um, there's some descriptions in here of how you can get this, what skills you want and which ones to level up and all this other stuff. So you can check that out. Uh, it's talking about what gems you should use. There's all these details in here if you want to like take a look at that and act accordingly. Okay, David Echo, Echo Hack, had this tiny little clip. And it's titled, The Horseman Cometh, and he's playing a crusader, and he wrote, This is what peak crusader looks like, and it, I'm not going to tell you exactly what happens, but there's a very interesting glitch in there that you may want to look at. It's a short little clip, but there's a thing. And then we have uh, uh, Kamui, I think is how you pronounce it, Kamui Cosplay, who has dressed up as the barbarian, and also has dressed up as the, uh, the wizard, so it's like a little, I think one of them is a TikTok. They might both be a TikTok thing. And they start out in regular clothes and then spin. And then they have all of the, uh, the set of whatever class they're trying to do. And it just looks really cool. So you might want to check that out. I love that cosplayers can do this because I don't have the skills for that or the time to do that. And it's always really impressive when they're done. And they really do look like the character they're trying to depict. That's kind of cool. And that's really all I have for you for now. Um, as for me, I'm going to be playing Diablo Immortal still. I'm going to do it free to play because I'm still having fun with it. I typically am very slow playing through any video game. And some of it is because I want to like make sure I get all the lore or I just want to you know, mindlessly kill stuff and not really worry about it. I'm not concerned about being on the leaderboards. That's just me. I know there's a lot of people that are very interested in being at the top of the leaderboard and have the skill to do it so that's fine you know you can play your game however you want to play your game as long as you're not hurting anybody and it's all good but the other thing i've seen mentioned that i'm just going to mention briefly here is that there is a number of people on at least twitter that think that the amount of offerings of buy this thing with real world money might potentially be a problem for people who have addiction issues involving that kind of thing. Like people that, um, there are people that will go to a casino and drop all of their money and then do it again. You know, this kind of addiction sort of thing. Um, I don't know exactly how that works, uh, but like, I mean, I understand the, the process. You go in and you spend all your money, but like the drive to do it, I think there's something in there that makes it kind of an addiction. And... Filling a game like this, like if it's if a person has played all the Diablo games and really hasn't had to spend any real world money other than to purchase the game itself, 
And now they're being given all of these little pop-ups that look so exciting. Like when you see like, you know, chests of stuff and it's got all these things you need and there's like all of these different ones of different prices in real world money. If you have kind of an addiction issue, you might be trying to buy the highest level one at every time. You might be buying all the microtransactions and I don't think that's healthy. And I do have concerns that some of the people playing Diablo Immortal may fall into that if that's something they're already addicted to. So that's the thing. And that's kind of a problem really um now is it blizzard's fault if people with addictions do this i don't know i guess it depends on whose laws you're following what country you're in um you know these kinds of things but it's it's a little weird i will say it does play really good on uh like a, a tablet like an ipad tablet it does really well for that i've noticed that since the i think i was in an alpha that the controls feel better now than they did before and you know there's a lot of things they could fix and i think the microtransactions the pay to win concept i think is a big deal for the diablo community so i brought you everything i could find since the last show and you can think whatever you want about it and i'm going to close the show now you have been listening to episode 363 of the shattered soulstone your diablo community podcast missed an episode you can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com come join us in game our in-game community and clan both named shattered soulstone in diablo 3 for sure and i'm going to try very hard to get there uh in the server i'm on in diablo immortal as soon as i can uh, those are open to anyone who would like to join uh, once we get the Diablo Immortal 1 too. Uh, you can also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. I know for a fact that there's been people on Discord talking about Diablo Immortal and like figuring out where to play and that kind of stuff. I think someone actually set up uh, Diablo a Diablo Immortal Soulstone clan on a server I'm not on and that's great if you're part of if you're part of Shattered Soulstone and you're one of the people that's been there for a really long time that's fine I have no problem with that find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter and Facebook page as well as the Shattered Soulstone website thank you for listening <laughs> <laughs>